Welcome back, everyone, to Mythalanius. Uh, this is Mythalanius, the top men files. I think we officially titled it that after the Ark of the Covenant episode. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so we are calling this the top men files because we are going through all of the Indiana Jones, uh, whatchamacallits, MacGuffins, mm -hmm. uh, getting ready for uh, Dial of Destiny. And I mean all because we will be talking about whatever the Dial of Destiny is. Um, originally, I did have a little bit about it in this report, but I'm not going to do it this time because now the movie is been seen to too many people and everyone knows what it is uh except for me because i don't want to spoil um but i am brandon t mcclure and with me as always on this journey indulging me on this journey i should say is sparks witty it's me um sparks you and i you and i both listened to uh, the first season of miscellaneous a bit oh yeah of, yeah to kind of remind ourselves about what the show was I, I okay like we're I don't want to like give myself too much credit I did not re-listen to like episodes of the show I just went back and scanned to the endings to try and be mm -hmm. like did we ever come up with an outro the answer is no no the answer is no we never came up with an outro um I if just there kept are, making puns if there are any myth, myth miscellaneous heads out there who remember the show from three years ago more. um more no it hasn't no it wasn't yeah, you I take just that looked back. at the date. I just oh, looked at it. You're right, because it was before the pandemic. Yeah. Damn it. Shit, man. We're old. Um, we've been doing a podcast for seven years. I shouldn't say that. All right. Anyway. Um, so we are so last week, if you guys hadn't, if you guys haven't listened to it yet or watched it yet, because this this show is now video, um, go go check it out. We talked about the Ark of the Covenant and kind of the uh, mythological uh base stories, the legends surrounding it those kind of true life history surrounding it and we're going to keep going in that vein for the rest of the MacGuffins but this week the Sankara stones now Sparks yeah what do you know about the Sankara stones nothing other cool. than what's in the movie great would it surprise you to know that they're not real no because you told me this off camera <laughs> <laughs> but but you know pretend for the camera oh I'm sorry I'm sorry uh what <laughs> yes uh okay uh well if there's nothing to if there's really you know there's really nothing to talk about beforehand i guess we should get into it right do they say in the movie that there are seven but we only see three there's five but we only see three five but we only see three that's just yeah. weird so the because i rewatched the movies this week um again i've watched the movies a lot I've, I've watched these movies a lot this year um then the movie, I think I took this out of my report. Uh, they say there's five. The 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 place, the 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 village that Indiana is in has one of them, and uh, the 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 temple has two. But underneath the temple are two more, which is why the kids are digging. Mm, right. So the kids are digging for the last two. In theory. In theory, yeah. But anyway, okay. So let's get right into it. So so my report starts thus. Thusly. My report starts thusly. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom is an interesting film within the canon of the franchise. For me, anyway. There are a few reasons for this, including its darker tone and its decision to be a prequel to Raiders, but the reason why we're here today is what I believe, the biggest reason, it sticks out. Um, I believe that Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom sticks out more than the others, and it's because of the Sankara Stones. Out of all the MacGuffins, 
in the Indiana Jones films, the Sankara Stones are the only ones that don't exist in history, legend, mythology, or theology, which means we have no reason to talk about it on this show. But I've committed to this bit. All right, everyone. Great episode. <laughs> see you next time. Yeah, see you next time. But I've committed to this bit. Uh, so, so you know, here we go. Um, before we get into this, this report is going to be a little shorter than the others because um, I don't want to bore too many people with historical accounts. We're a mythology-based show. I didn't want to deal with too much of the historical context of what's of what I'm going to be talking about. I have enough to kind of give people what kind of a background of what these stones are meant to be. Sure. Um, right. I mean, anybody listening to this is not interested in history. <laughs> Um, but, but like most of the, the reason is because like, there's, there, there's a lot of pieces that make up what this, what this, uh, what the Sankara stones came from. And I didn't want to get too much into the different pieces. I wanted to kind of (laughs) give everybody a full picture of what, of what, uh, of what came together to create the Sankara stones. Um, but things like the Holy Grail will probably be a long report and, Crystal Skull is going to be an interesting report. I don't know how long it's going to be, but it'll be interesting. I don't mean to imply this isn't going to be interesting. <laughs> but he did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure someone will find it interesting. I certainly did. Um, okay, so the Sakara Stones don't exist in any mythological account. So where did they come from? After all, Lucas and Spielberg wanted Indiana to go after historical artifacts. So why is this so different? The short answer is, I don't know. All right. I have no idea. I, I I actually cannot find any account as to who came up with the stones and why. Um, I have no clue. I've looked. I've looked because we know where uh, Lucas uh, and where where Lucas and uh, came got the idea for the Ark of the Covenant, but no idea where the stones came from. Mm-hmm. No one has said, "Hey, this was my idea." Hey, this is why I did mm-hmm. it. Just no clue. Um, we do know the only thing that is known is that the is that Gloria Katz and Willard uh, Huick, uh, who are the I'm not looking at it, I don't know. That's fine. Well, it, it's hard, it's H U Y C K, sure, yeah. Um, so uh, they were chosen to write the film, which is they, they're the writers of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and they they were chosen because of their interest in Indian mythology, so that's probably so they're probably the the source of where this came from um but i don't i didn't find anything on why they didn't just use like a real artifact like a real mythological artifact that exists somewhere exists in quotation marks um if anyone i've I've called to action if anyone is listening or watching this and uh knows anything about this please let me know I'd, i'd love to learn about it it's fascinating to me that they just decide that they pulled this out of their ass right lucas did say this in 2021 though um quote we try to keep it within the realm of reality but stretch it just a bit to make it more interesting and have more fun with it and also it's based on some kind of real mythology that exists that people actually believe in sankara stones was a bit of a reach he laughs but in asia it's not as many people believe in the sankara stones as believe in the holy grail that's just Western Eastern audiences. What a weird quote, right? Because they are not real. Because they're not real. It's so fascinating to me. 
Um, so I, <laughs> I can talk out of my butt about Eastern Asian culture because nobody here cares. I I'm so fascinated. I became like a I became like a um uh what what do they call it like a um a detective like a podcast detective of trying to figure out like why did he say that where did this what what um anyway i'm not sure what he's trying to say here honestly essentially the sankara stones if you look in the books it's basically like asia's holy grail yeah yeah sure also it's not i'll get into that i'm bringing it up on the screen by the way i forgot to do that george, george <laughs> we have this box george george what a mistake um i have uh i've now put up for the audio listeners i've now put up uh the picture of indiana with the sankara stones um in the temple in the temple of doom some might say okay so i'm not sure what he's trying to say there i've read this a few times and it never makes much sense there's no such thing as the sankara stones right or is there sparks are you, you intrigued no. yet are you intrigued yet you said no. You okay. said that they're not, they don't exist. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 may be put, I may be made the preamble a bit too long here. Um, <laughs> but whatever, I'm submitting to it. Um, here's the story as told in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Indiana, Willie, and Short Round are taken to an Indian village. There, he's asked to help them retrieve the stolen totem that they call a Sivalinga. Uh, they say they've stolen our Sivalinga. Indiana asks if it was a smooth stone with three lines across it, to which they say yes. It's only after one of the children shows up with a piece of parchment that Indiana speculates that the missing stone is one of the five Sankara stones. Mm -hmm. All right. <clears throat> Indiana starts the story by explaining that five stones were given to a priest named Sankara by the Hindu god Shiva on Mount Kalisa. The story that the movie tells says that Sankara used the stones to convert many people in India to the worship of Shiva. He does say to go forth and battle evil, but that's kind of the implication is to convert people. Sure. Okay. So I want to backtrack. Um, I want to backtrack a bit there because uh, that story is, is a clue to the real life origins of the Sankara stones. Uh, the village elder doesn't say, help me find my Sankara stone. He says, help me find my Sivalinga. Mm -hmm. So let's start there. The Hindu religion does worship something similar to the Sankara stones. The smooth surface rock with three lines across it are reminiscent, are reminiscent of stones called Shiva lingams. Uh, I've also read that they're called that they're sometimes called ling lingams, just lingams, mm -hmm. um, or Sivalinga. There you go, which is what he says in the movie. Right. Um, this is the pronunciation the movie goes with. Uh, there are stones of crypt. They, they are these are stones of crypto crystalline quartz containing many minerals, uh, many mineral impurities. They come from the my phone's blown up. Um, they come from the Narmada River in western India, where they are gathered by villages by villagers and polished into their traditional elliptical egg shape. Uh, it is said that they fell they fell there from heaven. Um, and are considered a symbol of the god Shiva. Okay. So not from nowhere. They actually they created a they created a kind of a variant of a of a Sivalinga for the Sankara stones. Well, it sounds it sounds like to an extent that all they did was change the name to Sankara because they wanted something American audiences would pronounce. <laughs> but the elder says, but so the elder mistakes what is a Sankara stone for a Sivalinga. 
is what is what basically happened. Does he mistake it, or is that just different terms? Oh, yeah. I I always the because after doing this report, I assumed that the elder thought what he had was a Sivalinga, but uh, what he actually had was a Sankara stone. Uh huh. Because they're similar, right? It's the it's the elliptical egg shape with three lines, three three white lines across it. Right, and I I feel like I don't think that they're supposed to be definitionally definitionally different things in terms of the film. I think they just have Indy say Sankara stones because that's like the more common Western term for them mm -hmm. in the story of the film. So that when uh, Indy says it and when Harrison Ford has to say it, he's not there going <laughs> because Harrison Ford doesn't like pronouncing gibberish. We know this. That, that's that's a really good point and might actually be what happened there. I maybe gave them too much credit. <laughs> Um, okay. So yeah, so it's a, it's a it's an elliptical egg-shaped stone with three with three white lines that is considered that are considered um part of the god Shiva. Sure. Since this is a mytho mythological podcast, I'll give you guys a bit of Shiva. All right. Um Shiva it, look, Shiva deserves her own his Shiva's a he, uh his own report. So I don't have a lot here. I just kind of have like a baseline here. Um, he is the Hindu god of destruction, but more than that, he is the god of change. Hindus believe that Shiva's destruction brings about positive change in the world, and that he will destroy the world in order to recreate it. Important to note in the in relation to this report is that one of the names of Shiva is Shankara. Hmm. Mm, we're right. getting a little closer. Yeah. Um, I'm going to cap it there, though, and. Uh, uh, again, because it deserves a little report, I will kind of go back a little bit. We'll kind of circle back to that a little later in the report, though. Um, so, lingam means sign in Sanskrit. Uh, Sanskrit. I always thought it was Sanskrit. It's Sanskrit. Yeah, you don't pronounce the P. Yeah, there's no P, actually. At least in the, pronounce, in the, in the thing that I picked up. Um, these stones are representations of Shiva and are found in every shrine and monastery that worships the god as they are meant to honor him. Uh, it is often represented within a disc-shaped platform. So think so think about like a like a circular dish with like a little with like a little spout coming out for the water to seep out of. Okay. Um uh called the yoni. That's called the yoni. Uh, this is considered the feminine counterpart. The yoni consists of a flat dish-like element in which the lingam is placed. Together, they they symbolize uh, the merging of microcosmos and macrocosmos, the divine eternal process of creation and regeneration, and the union of the feminine and the masculine that recreates all of existence. It does seem to be intended to be a phallic imagery. So, so think of like the... Think of basically the stones that we're seeing on the screen there placed in a, in a hole that's on a dish. And it's meant to, it looks like the intention is it's supposed to be phallic in nature. Sure. Um, really interesting idea. Like it, the creation of their, like, their, their creation and the creation of destruction, creating all of reality and uh, in the way that look at, look at like that. It's so fascinating. I want to be a penis. All to be famous. I I want to I want to dive more into Shiva someday. It's a good thing I have a mythological podcast. <laughs> good thing. Um. All right. 
sometimes a follower of Shiva will carry one around. So there's there's smaller versions of them. Uh-huh. The stones are often used in meditation. Uh, they're used for healing uh, ceremonies and rituals. Um, there are multiple types, which includes a wearable one. So like small ones that you can wear around your neck. Um, there's priests that carries them around, things like that. Um, they all have their own names. And um, I don't have all the names written down because it's, it would just be me spouting words I can't pronounce for five minutes. And I don't want to do that. Sure. Um, moving on to the mythology of the film, though, if you recall, Indy talks about a priest named Sankara who climbed Mount Kalisa, where Shiva himself gave him the stones. Also not made up. Not entirely. Seems like a mispronunciation or a misspelling. Mm-hmm. This is most likely a reference to the Indian Vedic scholar Adi Shankara. So with an H. Shankara. Right. Uh, who was credited with uniting the people under the Hindu faith. Uh, he lived in the 8th century and was a devout believer in Shiva. Uh, he didn't care. The reason is because he didn't care for Buddhist philosophers. But by the, by the 14th century, he was seen as an avatar of Shiva. So after he passed away in the 8th century, many, many centuries later, he and Shiva became intertwined because of uh, how he united uh, all of India under under Hinduism. Sure. Um, this real-life person didn't climb Mount Kalisa, however, which is most likely because there is no Mount Kalisa. Mm-hmm. That is not a real mountain that exists. Sure. Um, there is a Mount Kalish, though, Mm-hmm. Which which seems to be the closest approximation, at least when you look it up in Google. <laughs> when okay. you type in real where is Mount Kali, uh, Kalisa located, it shows up with this mountain. All right. So there's a bit about this mountain that leads me to believe that this is uh, probably the mountain that Indiana is talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so Mount Kalish is believed to be a holy mountain where Shiva lives. So kind of like a Mount Olympus in Greek mythology, how the gods live on top of it. Um, while no stories of Shankara were ever written of him climbing this mountain, uh, it is close to Kedarnath, which was the last place anyone saw Shankara. Um, so he passed away at a temple there. Um, which So it has a, a prominent Hindu temple uh, that worships Shiva. Um, mostly it's believed to be a very holy mountain, so Hindu people don't climb it. Mm-hmm. Um, because they don't want to incur the wrath of Shiva. Um, however, someone did climb it in the 11th century. This is the only record of someone climbing it, or the earliest record of someone climbing it was in the 11th century, so a few centuries after Shankara passed away. Um, and it was a ten- it was a Tibetan Buddhist it was a Tibetan Buddhist yogi named Mil- 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 Milarepa. I don't want to talk about him anymore, so we're fine there. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing to really say because he's not really part of this whole mythology, right? He's not Shankara. Sure. He's not Sankara. Sure. Um, so, yeah, so that's... So all of that kind of... that All of that seems to have come together to make what the Temple of Doom story is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we talked about it last week, how they had... Um, they had access to encyclopedias, not Wikipedia or Google or things like that. And so it feels like this was, if we're to take it on face value, it feels like a lot of what they came up with for Temple of Doom uh, 
was a lot of half remembrances of Indian mythology. You know what yeah, I mean? Very, very passive way of interpreting it. Obviously yeah. not contacting an expert for this one. Right, exactly. There was no, I'm sure there was no expert. I couldn't find an expert either uh, talking about this one. I'm, maybe there was that we don't know who's uncredited, but I didn't find anyone who took credit for this. Sure. Um, so the Sankara stones in the movie have like these crystals, um, are, have like these diamonds inside of them that glow when they're brought together. We see it on the image down below. And they, they have immense power which is what Indiana uses to uh, beat Molaram at the end. He, Indiana, you know, Indiana says, excuse me, Indiana says you have betrayed Shiva um, and the stones light on fire and, and fall into the abyss, into the, into the, the ocean. It's not mm -hmm. an ocean. It's a river. <laughs> I knew what you meant. Yeah. So there's a lot of, so a lot of that is made up because there's no, there's no direct one-to-one -one story of how, so unlike the Ark of the Covenant, when we talked about how the 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 idea that the Ark was left in Egypt, that is one of the theories of where of what happened to the Ark afterwards, um, after the temple was destroyed. But for here, there seems to be no one-to-one -one story of Shankara uh, going up this mountain, talking to Shiva, and being given these stones, which is probably why I gave them the credit of like, oh, this is. This what the Shankara stones are different. They were meant to be different than the Sivalingas, and they were mistaken as such. I don't think they are. I yeah. mean, just like thinking in '80s film terms, and especially with that good old George Lucas quote, um, like <laughs> it, it feels very much of the kind of thing where they just appropriated what they needed to in order to make it. Le legible yeah, for sure. the film but that the intention still derives itself from the same thing sure i think having the guy say shivalinga is a nod to what they are actually supposed to more or less come from mm -hmm. but again you work all the way down to sankara because harrison ford doesn't like saying gibberish <laughs> I mean, to, yeah. like, and that's derogatory of me to say because I don't mean like the Indian language is gibberish, but he doesn't like saying words that are hard for him to say. Right. I mean, he's got <laughs> a, he, he he mumbles a lot, right? That's his. He's got a very mumble uh, 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 a voice about him. Right, and so he doesn't like saying complicated words. To right, him. and uh, he he was talking about. Um, this, oh, sorry. Oh, this is a different. This is a different thing altogether. Um, so, so you can make the case that like. Sankara and Shankara are meant to be the same person. It's just a mispronunciation uh, on the scriptwriter's part. They were they forgot that it's meant to be spelled Shankara. Mm -hmm. So there's so that yeah, it, it, it does seem like maybe there's an amount of would you say misappropriation here? Yeah, just you know, yeah. I I think just we're at that time period where they're not exactly being thoughtful about how they're interpreting cultures that let's be generous and say that they don't pay a lot of attention to. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's true. And so uh, it, it's not surprising that, you know, this would just be like, kind of get your gathered, like one page docket. What are we basing this on? Translate that into a script. Yeah. It's and, kind of a, and this is what you end up with. 
it's kind of a bummer too because i think temple of doom temple of doom i i've come to appreciate later in life uh and i think most people have in the in the world um and there's a sense of like we talked about in our review of temple of doom where they're during the dinner scene there's like a completely separate movie happening with willie and short round where they're just being disgusted about indian food and none of it is real indian food right yes so there's an amount of this film does have a lot more cultural appropriation and kind of making light of certain cultures that the other films don't to an extent to an extent i mean uh, to an extent yes obviously because it is it's prominently featuring you know indian culture at the front mm-hmm. and others are usually most of the time featuring americans and germans and so yeah. like there's there, and the germans can be treated however they want because they're nazis at the time so like there's not a ton of or or like even go to crystal skull and you bring in russians like you know <clears throat> there's not there's not as much to i think part of it is also that you know here we are specifically almost entirely inside of and and like let's let's be clear you know, this is not what this this episode is about. Let's be Good. clear that the there is also some some appropriation in the um, opening as well when we're not in India, but we're we're in um, China. China. Um, mm-hmm. There's some appropriation there as well. So there's just kind of like an in general like East uh, East Asian Indian uh, Chinese like not so great. Uh, in in the way that they're handling this, but because the entire thing takes place there, like there's not there's no globe trotting in this one, right? So like you are you are embedded in the culture, so like what they are doing with the culture is far more noticeable here. That's a good point. Uh, and you know, you look at stuff what George Lucas was trying to do with the Adventures of Young Indiana Jones, and you kind of see it with the Indiana Jones films too. George Lucas was always interested in teaching people about other cultures and um, other societies, and um, he takes a far more, I mean, it still stumbles, don't get me wrong, but I think he takes a far more um, nuanced hand when he gets to the young Indiana Jones Chronicles than wouldn't get here. And so that's what, that's kind of why I brought up that quote, because it's weird because he's like, he brings up this idea that the Sankara stones, he's talking about the Sankara stones as if they are real when they are not. Mm-hmm. There are, the, there's, hundreds of sivalingas there's five sankara stones well and like let's give him a little bit of credit right let's say that like he knows when they started that this is based on the sivalingas yeah okay let's give him that credit he knows that he knows that ultimately what they ended up translating into the script is the sankara stones yeah okay and because he's been in production on the film for a long time he ends up saying yeah this is, you know, it's based on something. This is real. Um, you know, without getting into the nitty gritty of explaining, well, it's a term change from this term change from X thing. That's actually right. like this. I, w- I almost kind of would prefer them to talk because that's why, that's why I kind of was like, I spent so long on this report for it to be pretty short is kind of baffling to me. Uh, well, not baffling to me. I cut a lot of stuff out. Um, but like the, I spent so long on the report because I really wanted to know how they got from A to B because I like the, I like the idea of, Oh, we're, we're extrapolating from this and this and this and this. That's why I did this report to be mm-hmm. like, Oh, this are the, these are the parts that make up what 
the Sankara stones created. I wish that there was someone in the production and they're not going to talk to the writers of this film. Nobody's talked to those writers in years. Someone should check on them. Um, like, I think that like, I want to, I want to see that story. How did we come up with this idea? Why did we come up with this idea? What was the thought process behind it? Where did the, where did the story of San, of of the Sankara priest going up this mountain that doesn't exist? Like, why did they choose the mountain that doesn't exist? Why did they did they misspell Sankara and meant to say Shankara? Um, is this is there a story lost in their encyclopedia that was just written and never and never found again? Like, I would love to know these stories, you know? Sure, and I mean, like, Indiana Jones is not alone in this case of doing this kind of thing. Sure, and like doing saying the wrong words or changing facts to make a better film mm-hmm. uh a more well, they did it with the ark of the covenant huh they did it with the ark of the covenant right yeah to make a more translatably literate film it's it's it is how it goes yeah um it's very clear that like in terms of like but what do the stones do uh they were like they do the same thing as the ark of the covenant they channel the power of Shiva. Um, and that is, and that is like the, the answer is yeah. what, what do they do? And it's like, speak the words and the power of Shiva shall channel through the stones. Sure. The visual interpretation and everything is different, but like the ultimate, like, and, and what is the relevance? And it's like, it's the power of God. It's the power of Shiva. It's the power of Shiva. There it is right there. Kalima. Uh, speaking of Kali Ma, I do have more to the report. It's not a lot more, um, but I, I I did find it interesting. If you want to go, if you want to keep going, no, I think you know, like we've done it. Let's call it, scrap it all up, close the books. We're all done. Obviously, continue. You know, that's actually how we should end this: the book closing. Hmm. Can you do that? I'm asking a lot of you. <laughs> you mean like as a transitional thing? Yeah, that's not easy. Oh, I just remember what my intro was going to be. <laughs> 30 minutes in. <laughs> All right, let's fun. We have fun here. Okay. Um, okay, so there is more information on all of this stuff that you guys can find. I've, I've linked all the sources there probably below. Uh, please go check out more more stuff on this one. It's, there's some pretty interesting stuff here. Again, like I'd like to dive more into Shiva specifically as a as a god i think he's he's pretty fascinating i love the idea of um creation and destruction being part of the same god there's also some stuff about how shiva it has multiple um um not hands um roles in their religion um Mm. which which signifies like how people are multifaceted and i'm like wow that's way more nuanced than I ever gave an ancient religion an ancient religion. People still worship Hinduism. Um, but still it's fascinating. That's what I was also going to say is like, kind of, kind of, you know, like the thing, the interesting thing is like there, there is, I think, unless you are doing direct, uh, representation, like at this time period, uh, you get a lot of media works where, you know, anything that is that is not within the Christian belief, right, or mm-hmm. or Catholic, um, anything that's not very like Western or Eurocentric becomes kind of interpreted as ancient, just because it's also old. 
but that yeah. doesn't mean that it doesn't still exist. Yeah, like that's that's not still followed, but it like kind of still gets treated in the same way of like that's old stuff. But but like people still still worship Hinduism. Like this is a no, it's not an ancient religion. No, I know. I mean, like this is a commentary on like just media up until like you know the late thousands. Um, <laughs> that like it, Western media specifically. That like you know whenever you approach that thing, it'll be like we treat this the same way we treat Greek mythology because it's just as old. And it's like, ah, well, well, <laughs> sure, but the Greeks don't still worship Zeus. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hinduism still exists. Um, okay. Um, so the reason why I kind of kept it short is because I want to keep it focused on what Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom was, was, was referencing. So, excuse me. So on that note, there's a couple more things that the, that the movie does talk about that have some interesting uh, mythological and historical context. So the only thing that I didn't dive into here is the thuggy cult. Uh, T-H-U-G-G-E-E. Thuggy. Mm. Um, so this is a real cult. Uh, quote unquote cult. They did exist. Um, they're described in the film uh, as such. Um, modern day historians, however, this is fun. You'll, you'll get a kick out of this. Um, aren't sure if they were meant to be an organized group like a like a group of cult, like a, uh, or just a group of people that were attacking British colonizers. Nice. So, so this is recently, by the way. This is only like a couple of years ago that we start to wonder, like, oh, wait a second, was this an organized cult, or was this just people attacking their colonizers? Was this just people saying eat the rich? Was this just people saying eat the rich? Exactly. Um, so uh, so I'm really happy we're doing this now because like it's only been in the 21st century that we've looked at this cult and go like, wait a second, this doesn't, I don't think this was an organized cult. Um, it does sound like something, this is the reason, because it does sound like something the British would make up because, quote, everyone, everyone in India loved them. So, you know, when they came to colonize India and, oh, everyone loves that we're here, we've, we've colonized you now. Oh, but these guys, these guys are a cult because they, you know, they, they're a bunch of radical, radical cults. They just want to go on. And it sounds like something that they would make up for. Cause if you, if you think about it, it really does, it really does sound like something that would make up to send to like the queen of England and be like, Hey, uh, this, this, this cult is attacking us. Send reinforcements. Right. Yeah, absolutely. They'll be like, yeah, they're, Ooh, they're a dangerous cult. They're they're Ooh, man, we don't even know why they're doing it. It's crazy. Yeah. So nuts. Just Everyone loves board. us. They're a cult that just believes in attacking us. It's weird. Why <laughs> would they? And so like I I fall on that side because I think that's the that, that's probably what happened. Um Most but there's definitely. Right. But there are a lot of there's a lot of uh, reports about how the thuggy cult was a organized thing and they worshiped Kali and I'll get into a little bit. Um, there is also no evidence to support that they did ritualistic killings, despite what the movie will say. Okay. Um, and the word thuggy quote thuggy comes from the Hindu word thagi, T H A G I, uh, which means swindler or deceiver. This is also where we get the word thug. So, you know, that's nice. fun. In case yeah. anyone cared. <laughs> um so yeah i thought so 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 they um so so they were so they so they were told so the british 
believed that they seemed to seem what happened was the British believed that they worshiped the god Kali and did ritualistic killings. There was never any any evidence to support the ritualistic killings. And there is now coming to light that there probably was no evidence that there was a cult. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's generally accepted that if there was an organized cult named the Thuggies, uh, they worshiped the Hindu god Kali. But just from what I've read, since worshiping Kali is pretty common throughout India, it seems like the British made it up. Because Kali is not an evil god. Right. Um, <laughs> but like the British see Shiva, the good god. Right. Kali, the bad god. But that's not how India, that's not how people who worship yeah, they them just needed, see them. They needed a, a bad thing. They needed right, a, they needed a bad thing. So like the whole Kali Mon ritualistic killings, that's all made up for the movie, obviously. And yeah. even even then, like it was still like, oh, they probably didn't kill people ritualistically. British suck. The British suck, don't they? <laughs> but hey, certainly if you guys are... like certain like old terms. Like yeah. I guess I won't comment too much on the British at large now, but Jesus. But I mean, when they were like colonizing the whole the whole world, like the you know, the sun never sets on the British Empire or whatever. Was that the Roman Empire? I don't remember. Um, and when they were trying to colonize all these worlds, like they would look, we talk about it all the time, like they would look at these civilizations as other, as uh lesser. Like we like when we when we came to america and we saw when we came to to the north america and we saw these native americans indigenous peoples they we saw them and and we looked at we 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 looked at ancient civilizations not even that we looked at ancient civilizations like the mayans the egyptians who built massive structures that the that the 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 more civilized world couldn't even dream of yeah and and we said oh they're 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 savages they they don't they they need us. No, they never needed you. Right. It's because they could, wore different clothes. Freaking, freaking, the Spanish could never build the pyramids. It's very true. I mean, <laughs> it's not the time or place for this, but like colonizers are always bad. Yeah, I mean, we say that, but we're American. We're 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 white people who live in America. We are. We are. We can look back at history and say colonizers are bad. <laughs> That's true. If I if I had the choice, I would have made it so the the Native Americans were not massively decimated by the <laughs> British and and the Americans. Like I would totally change that if I could. Yeah. Yeah, and so so kind of going back to like this idea of like it really it really feels like especially now looking back on history it really feels like the British made up this idea of this cult because they didn't want they didn't want to be seen as the bad guy they didn't want people back home to see themselves as the bad guys right and so you um, get the people writing this script and they're like ooh a cult you say ooh yeah. Kali and does no further looking into it whatsoever right because because again worshiping Kali is very common in, in Hinduism. Right. He, the, they, he is not there's there's nuance in the Hindu religion that doesn't exist in a lot of other religions, uh, specifically the Christian religion. Someone, someone, somewhere related to this film, even if they were an extra, went actually worshiping Kali is very common, and they were like, "Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that." <laughs> yeah, like the, the kid is done. <laughs> the kid even says on the on the the the, the little the little. Maharaja says, "Like that's what he says in the script. That's not me talking 
saying he's that's not me being racist um well it's a little bit because it's racist whatever it doesn't matter i don't want to go down this rabbit hole um so the <laughs> uh he the the kid even says like oh i heard about these i heard about this horrible thuggy cult in the history and they're talking to this british to this british captain who they're who the british captain is like oh yeah i'm just checking on just checking on the people and he's like yeah don't worry there's no more thuggies all the thuggies are bad don't worry about it checking on this province that i consider mine yeah um and then the british save the day at the end of the movie this movie's kind of problematic <laughs> that does that does suck a little bit that's a little bit doesn't it all right um so while british, shiva the british will show up in numbers to save the white man but and the white woman but they won't show up in numbers to provide food to the village that's starving yeah but the stone saves the village i guess i guess like good for the british that they at least let all those kids go home instead of enslaving them <laughs> the bare minimum bare minimum all right uh well shiva it symbolizes purusha the universal unchanging aspect of reality or pure consciousness kali represents mm, pra- prakrita yeah probably okay. Uh, the nature or nature or matter. So things, basically things. So uh, Shiva kind of a more existential God, whereas Kali is more physical God. Sure. Um, the two of them are seen as, as necessary sides to all of reality. So they say they need to exist in tandem. Otherwise there is no reality. Mm -hmm. Kali is meant to be a feminine counterpart to Shiva. So Kali is a she. Um, she is regarded as the ultimate manifestation of Shakti, the primordial cosmic energy and the mother of all living things. The goddess is stated to uh, destroy evil in order to defend the innocent. So does that sound like something an evil cult would worship? Hmm. Right? I mean, I mean yes, to people who don't do the research. Right, to people who don't do the research. And it sounds like something that like, that like, if, if, if they heard it if you are being attacked by a cult that worships kali you're probably not the good person right it's probably what mm. happened there um do you want to know what kali ma means absolutely all right it means divine mother <laughs> <laughs> sorry just in context of the movie knowing that divine mother <laughs> Divine Mother! Heart comes out, Divine Mother! Yeah. Um, yeah, that's not surprising. <laughs> I looked it that up. Cool. Like, like in a in a ignorant way, like, Kali Ma sounds cool <laughs> the way yeah. in the movie and take the heart out. I like that the series is basically just us realizing how ignorant this film, these films are. <laughs> um. Yeah, so anyway, so that's what Kali Ma means. Now everyone knows. Happy to to share that. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so that doesn't. So this. So basically, when you look at like Kali Ma and Kali as a as a goddess, um, this doesn't seem to track with what the British were saying about the thuggies. So that's just more fuel to the fire that the whole thuggy cult thing was made up. Yep. But that's it. That's my whole report. I'm gonna think about that for a while. The thuggy divine cult thing. Mother. <laughs> oh, the, the divine mother. Um, yeah, like literally translated as divine mother because Kali is a god and then Ma is mother. Yeah. So, you know, it sounds cool, but it makes no sense. Right. Why is he taking out his heart to the. T it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The, the answer is they didn't look it up. 
You tell me. I don't have that answer. Again, the like answer, the answer, frankly, like in terms of both that and the voodoo is like <sighs> you can make them because of because of ignorance and xenophobia, let's be honest. You can make uh, bad guys based in a territory like this and a culture like this seem more brutal and scary visually than the Nazis because the Nazis like, you know, the Nazis, you know how they're bad. You, everyone hates the Nazis. You have your context there, but there's so much othering and xenophobia still about these cultures and like what they believe. So it's really scary because like, <laughs> scary. Um, for the time period, like uh, the idea of like, well, voodoo, right? Mm -hmm. And the 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 using the doll and stuff. And so, like, you can just kind of make whatever you want out of that because it's less familiar. Right. I mean, th that goes back to the George Lucas quote, right? Like, in a way, he's saying the same thing. Oh, people didn't respond to Temple of Doom because they didn't understand it like they could the Holy Grail. Right. This but, this feels this feels far more like whereas like Raiders of the Lost Ark is based in like both the textual history of the Ark of the Covenant and then like for its bad guys, the actual historical context of the Nazis. Mm -hmm. uh, this one is entirely writing inside of like not so much a little bit, a little bit clearly from your report, a little bit of factual like what is the history of the belief in these in this area and these, their lore and this kind of thing um, and their religious beliefs, but it's more because of all the other stuff. That's just not based on anything. It's more based on the scary stories that right. would get told about these areas that are probably never true. And are the kinds of things that like the British would say <laughs> like, um, like, Oh yeah, lots of dangerous cults there. Rip your heart out, man. Uh, fear <laughs> of the jungle. And this isn't new either. Like to Indiana Jones credit, like they are adapting something because it's Indiana Jones. Like you're going for that pulpy flavor. You're going for that pulpy adventure flavor. Guess what? Lots of those pulp adventures end up in jungles. Lots of them end up doing things with, uh, Eastern Asian and South American and, and these kinds of cultures, uh, and making them like this because there's this sense of you can kind of do whatever you want to make it as scary as you want because nobody cares and or is familiar enough to know fact from fiction right. of what you're applying. I mean, so that's you just like this place like totally, totally, uh, you know, almost like blank slating it to the point where you can just paint whatever imagery you want on it because it's so it's so othered right i mean that's why people who say temple of doom is their favorite in the end jones films say it is because it's the one that takes place and it's the one that more closely matches that pulp adventure feeling that they were going for with raiders like it's set in a jungle it's very much it's very similar to um you know there's the movie what's the movie with kurt russell kurt douglas kurt douglas Romancing the Stone, like it's very similar to like those types of films where it's like, oh, this is a hero in a jungle and another world in another place taking audiences to a world they've never seen before. Right. So so in many ways, like Temple of Doom kind of can slide under a pass on a lot of it because yeah. it's like 
the goal of Indiana Jones is to be a send of those pulp stories, specifically the trilogy, because of the time period that it's supposed to be set in. These are the kinds of stories we were telling on radio shows at that point in time. Right. They were exactly like this. This is exactly the kind of shit they were doing. So Indiana Jones gets to do it too. The right. goal is not necessarily to be accurate. All right. Well, I'll tell you my sources now. Um, sources are Indy in the Classroom, The Archaeology of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Very good source. I, re- I really enjoyed reading that one. Cool. Uh, Star Wars Explained, The Real History of the Sankara Stones. Basically 10 minutes of this. Um, who, who wrote these? Oh, I don't have this. I don't have. I just have the links. Okay. For future reference, you should probably put down the authors. Okay. I will put down the authors from now on. I, I have the links. The links are down below. Please check them out. These are good. These are good resources. Um, and uh, in the future, I will, I will say the, the uh, uh, authors of said articles. Hmm. Um, Empire Magazine, the real story behind the MacGuffins. That's just, it's just kind of fun. They have all four of them. Um, Encyclopedia.com, the thuggy. Uh, this is just an encyclopedia.com article on the, on the thuggy um, medium.com Shiva and Adi Shankara. That's a, that's one that I am actually now regretting not putting who wrote that because medium.com is kind of a crowdsourced um, uh, article section. I have an account there. I don't really use it, um, but they, this person wrote a really powerful story about how Adi Shankara and Shiva's story um, helped them. So please check that one out. And I regret not putting in the the author. I guess I could click on it. Uh, let's see what's that. Let's see what happens when I click on it. Oh, here we go. Um, Akshay Om wrote that one. Nice. And there you go. So yeah, cool. Well, now I lost this. Now I lost my article. I regret doing this. <laughs> Definitely check out our links, folks. Uh, always, always want to support the works that help us know what the heck we're talking about enough to do a show like this. Yeah. Just enough, just enough though. We're not experts. No, that's true. You know, get, we, like the, I'm, I am relaying expert information, but I'm not. Yeah, this expert. is a, this is a side gig to our side gig. So, <laughs> um, Express's article, Indiana Jones and, and Indiana Jones, George Lucas, Temple of Doom, Sankara stones were a bit of a reach. That's the article where I got the quote from. Uh, the Indiana Jones Wikipedia page on the Shankara, on the Sankara Stones, uh, Britannica article on Shiva, and LearnReligions.com. What is Shiva Linga? Oh, yeah, there you go. Cool. I am more informed. I'm glad. And so next time we're going to be talking about the Holy Grail. Um, like I said, I was going to do a bit on the Dial of Destiny, whatever that was going to be. When I initially conceived of this idea, the Dial of Destiny was far, was way in, was way in the, it's not in the review, it's way in the future um, mm-hmm. at that point. But uh, now, that pe- now that many people have seen it, there's a lot of talk about what, what actually the Dial of Destiny is. Um, I think it's called the Archimedes Dial, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so we'll, I haven't looked too much into it because I don't want to spoil the movie. Mm. Um, so we're gonna we'll talk about that uh, after the next two, which will be the Holy Grail and the Crystal Skulls. But those episodes will be out bef- uh, after Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. So stay tuned. Yeah. So in the meantime, uh, when this comes out, we're talking about Dial of Destiny. So yeah, go I'm go excited. listen to what we thought about that movie. We haven't seen it at the time of recording, but we will. 
Well, yeah, probably by the so by the time this comes out, we'll that'll be the next Pickner podcast episode. We'll probably be Dial of Destiny. Yeah, that's why I'm saying it. Yeah, of course. Hey guys, if you guys want to hear us talk more about Indiana Jones, there are two cinephile episodes. That is our movie. That is our kind of a movie uh, discussion series um, on here on YouTube and or on our Pickner podcast feed where we've talked about the four Indiana Jones films. You want to get our thoughts on raiders and temple and uh crusade and crystal skull uh check those out those were a lot of fun to do uh yeah and real score indiana jones episodes are coming so plenty of indiana jones stuff if you're interested conversation oh yeah, <laughs> yeah conversation i've talked that that is out now um you can check it out i talked to ken knapsack who is a good friend of mine. Ken Napsok is currently also going through the Indiana Jones films on his podcast Force Center, um, which is a Star Wars podcast. He's doing uh, Indiana Jones. So I had him talk about Indiana Jones and his fandom and why he likes Indiana Jones. I'm going to take away the Sankara Stones. Um, he's talk about uh, Indiana Jones and his fandom and being a fan of Indiana Jones and kind of just his thoughts on the franchise and the specific movies really good conversation i really enjoyed talking to him uh please check it out um that's just one of the many indiana jones uh things i've been doing on this podcast in the lead up to dial of destiny um okay so that'll do it i guess if there's nothing else i have nothing else to add cool so of course there's as i've said there's plenty of other shows on this network um i listened to many of our miscellaneous episodes when this was when miscellaneous was just our second show um and so now we have many shows so uh there's fickner's watch which is starting up again if you guys want to check out fickner's watch which will be star trek strange new worlds um that's up now the first episode uh, probably second episode by the time this goes up maybe we'll see um and secret invasion will probably be around this time also. So check that out. Um, there's, of course, Basement Arcade and Basement Arcade Pause Mini are two video game shows. Animation Station and Fictor Book Club. Um, you can check out those shows as well on this channel. Audio and video, if you're listening to this on audio, um, there's there's feeds you can check out, things like that. Um, our Tee Public and our Patreon, if you want to check us out and... and um, support us financially or you can find everything on our website everything i mentioned is is readily available on our website which is our new website is up now fakenerpodcast.com check it out uh work work really hard on it and if you want like an easy place to just know where you can listen to or watch it to any of these shows or support us it's, it's all there um thank you to jeremy bellucci that by the way that was my intro i was going to be like hey how about that intro Oh, I see. <laughs> um, so, thank you to Jeremy Bellucci for doing our new. We had a th- we had we had music in the last in the last season, but this is a new theme tune that we have leading us into the show. Thank you to Sparks Witty. I never thank you for our opening for our opening graphics, and I feel like that's an oversight. I think I need to do that now. It's fine. Uh, but thank you. You, you made a you made a great uh, opening. It looks looks awesome. I think. Uh, I hope other people do too. Um, but you can find, of course, Jeremy Bellucci at Jeremy Bellucci underscore Wreck of Time. He did the theme music. He's done the theme music for all of our shows, and he's and he's uh, and he's on the Real Score. He's he he is the host, one of the hosts of the Real Score. So check him out. Yep. And uh, thank you to Sparks Witty, and thank you to Mike Matola, 
who did the logo for this show and a few of our other shows. Um, you can check him at, at, out at Mike Matola on Instagram and TikTok. You can find us, Twitter and Instagram at miscellaneous P. Um, I used to spell it out. I'm not going to miscellaneous P is linked below. Click it. Follow us. Um, you can check that's on Instagram and Twitter, or you can find us at miscellaneous pod at gmail.com. That's the, that's the miscellaneous feed. That's the miscellaneous socials. Of course, Fickner podcast on all the socials for where you, that's the hub. Fickner podcast is the hub for everything. So if you want more, it's, it's there. I'm a BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for CBR.com, AtomicGeekdom.com, and KaijuRamaMedia.com, where I'm also the editor. Sparks, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me chanting Divine Mother at SparksWitty on Instagram and Twitter, S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty. Subscribe to us on, on your podcatcher of choice and make sure to like this video and subscribe. And until next time, what did I say? Oh, yeah. Divine uh, Mother. <laughs> uh keep chasing that fortune and glory. Bye.